1: Outdoor Edge knows that providing a freezer full of meat is part of the reason we all hunt. And what better way to bring it full circle than to process your own wild game? Outdoor Edge provides a full lineup of traditional and replaceable blade hunting knives and complete wild game processing kits to bring your wild game from the field to the freezer. Visit OutdoorEdge.com and at checkout, enter the discount code nation 30 for 30% off.
2: You're listening to the Average Conservationist Podcast brought to you in partner with 2% for Conservation. 2% for Conservation's mission is to create an alliance of businesses and individuals that ensure the future of hunting and angling by committing their time and dollars to fish and wildlife. 1% of your time plus 1% of your money equals 2% for Conservation. 2% helps businesses and people pair with conservation causes to support things that fit what they care about. Whether you're into fishing, hunting, or just getting outdoors... 2% can help you not only start giving back to wildlife, but get certified for it. Getting 2% certified means you've made the same commitment as popular brands like Sitka, Stone Glacier, and Seek Outside in giving at least 1% of your time and dollars back to wildlife. But it's not just for outdoor companies. Breweries, contractors, coffee roasters, and even piano repair companies have earned 2% certification and stand out as leaders in their community for doing so. Businesses that are committed to conservation deserve your business when you shop. Learn more about 2% for conservation at fishandwildlife.org. That's fishandwildlife.org. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Average Conservationist Podcast, and I'm your host, Marcus Ewing. Today on the podcast, I am joined by Dan Johnson. And many of you know Dan as the host of the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. He's also the founder and CEO of Two Percent Certified Sportsman's Empire. So today Dan and I get to talk about really we, we get to kind of BS quite a bit, which is uh it's nice. It's always it's always good to catch up with Dan and, and be able to do it um, in a forum where uh you know we can share some things and just kinda quote unquote, let your hair down uh, and just kind of shoot the breeze, Um, you know, so we get to talk about how his turkey season went, how my turkey season went, uh, what sportsman's nation, now sportsman's empire um, has coming down the pike uh, over the next, you know, four to six months, Um, the rebrand of sportsman's empire and a little bit about what's going on there. And really, Dan and I get to spend a little bit of time to kind of wrap things up talking about uh, what, how Dan is, is really living the 2% life and you know, the steps that he's taking from a conservation standpoint um, there in Iowa, whether it's you know, getting his kids involved and, and doing some, some cleanups uh, and things like that just right there in his local community. Uh, and then also a new podcast that he started last year, where he partnered with the NDA called "How to Hunt Deer." Uh, so we get to talk about that, and and really the uh, the benefits of of being able to to have a podcast like that to help uh, get a lot of people who are maybe new to hunting or you know did it when they were young and are getting back into it now, uh, and almost like a refresher course. Um, so some really good information. Uh, this episode. Uh really, like any conversation with Dan, is filled with uh, a lot of laughs, so uh, I think it's one that you're certainly going to enjoy. So, episode 104, Dan Johnson. Enjoy. Dan Johnson, welcome back to the podcast, man. How's everything going?
1: It's going good, man. I wish we could have shared the conversation <laughs> that we had before, <laughs> before we started recording about how... How much stuff we have, and how we have so much stuff, we have to rent a dumpster to get rid of all of our stuff.
2: Yeah, it's ridiculous. Like I'm sitting in my office right now, and I'm just looking around, and it is just boxes of, of not even stuff. Like, yeah, we have so from Christmas until like April, we have uh, a ton of birthdays, a ton of you know, obviously Christmas at the end of December there and we just have a ton of empty boxes or boxes with like returns that need to go back and they all just end up in my office. And like I have to like weave through everything just to be able to sit down. Mm-hmm. And it's it's yep. It drives me crazy. Let's just put it that way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I feel you, man. I feel you. I have uh let's see. I'm trying to I'm trying to see here what we have just So the mother-in-law, right? God bless her heart. She is an amazing woman. But she has a problem with bringing more boxes of stuff to our house. Like, here's a perfect example. There are totes stacked taller than me of all this stuff (laughs) from my wife's youth. Like uh, sheet music and a recorder. Do you know what a recorder is? It's like a a flute that kids used to play in school. yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's been... Thirty-five years since my wife has needed that. Thirty years since my wife has needed that. I don't think she needs it now. She's coming back for it. Yeah. So now, right, right. So now, here's what I'm going to do today. I'm, I'm, I know there's going to be kind of an argument. Uh, My wife is going (laughs) to want to kind of jump in and say, "Hey, guess what? Uh, I want to take a look at everything before you throw it away." Me, I'm just going. I'm going for it. I'm going all in like a free buffet. I, everything that I touch, if I even have to think about it, it's getting thrown in the trash. And so I am going to just pull the bandaid off. And if she's like, well, I, I want to, I want that. I'm going to be like, go and get it then. <laughs> right. It's going to be in the dumpster and she's going to have to go dive in and get it. Uh, and, but I'm not getting it out. So, um, uh, there might be a little fireworks today, but I think in the long run, it's going to, it's that this cleanse is going to make both of us better people. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I'm a big fan of really in general, less is more, unless it, you know, I mean, unless it's like hunting gear, shit like that, mm-hmm. but right. we won't yeah, talk about no, 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 that, no, I, I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not going to be a hypocrite, but uh, right. yeah, just, I mean, yeah, boxes and boxes of, of stuff in our basement, like from her youth. For, I mean, I've got stuff, you know, too, that I just need to get rid of. But it's like, uh, I was telling you before, I mean, we've lived in this house for four years, and it already feels cluttered. And we went through this whole process yeah. when we, you know, before we moved into this house. Now, granted, we've had a few kids. Uh, well, we've had one kid since we moved in here. So we've accumulated, you know, baby clothes and stuff like that, that I understand they have a, a hard time parting ways with. But at the same time, it's like, it sits in a, a bag or a tote in the basement, and we don't ever look at it. So what's what what are we right. holding on to here?
1: Right. Absolutely. We should start a podcast about this, this exact topic, just called getting rid of stuff. <laughs> Tips and tricks to clean your
2: house. The dad version.
1: <laughs> exactly. Where it would really just revolve around a giant dumpster and a 12 pack of beer. Maybe an 18 pack, depending on how much stuff you had to throw yeah, away. If you
2: got to do the garage and the basement, yeah you're, you're needing, yeah, you're needing an 18, an 18er for sure
1: absolutely absolutely so so what are we going to talk about today we're going to get
2: through a whole list of stuff man that i have written down here so first i want to know how did your spring go did you get a chance to do any turkey hunting uh you know what did that
1: look like yeah so my here here is my i went the first season i was uh, turkey seasons are, are broken down into four seasons and the first season kicks off after or um after the youth season so season one and it's during the week Mm. right typically i go uh the second season so i can enjoy a weekend of it but because of my schedule and because of you know me being able to work from home i did a a little bit what i thought was planning and i bought the first season tag and i was going to hunt my goal was to hunt let's see Tuesday, Wednesday, no, excuse me, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, four days, all straight in a row. And so, and so I bought the tag and I wasn't even thinking really. And so the day one, my wife ended up having to go into work. And so I was responsible for the kids in the morning. They got on the bus, they got to daycare and then I went out the strutter was already in the field. So I had to loop all the way around him and kind of sneak in on him. And, uh, he was henned up. I think there was like three hens with him. and, uh, he worked away, no gobbles from the ground that day. And, uh, I walked on, I went on a a short walk on some public, nothing was answering there. So I went back home and did some work. So that was about a total of three hours. Right. Um, the next day, I got up in the morning. I beat it, heard some gobbles from the tree, got set up. These toms were in the tree. They flew down. I didn't see them, but you could hear the the different change uh, in their gobbles. They gobbled a couple times, and I thought they were coming up. I, I bet you they were 70 yards away from me, but I, there was some real thick vegetation, and then the gobbles started getting further away. I think the, they met up with their hens, if yeah. I had to guess, and the hen said, eh, we're going to go a different direction. And uh then I had to get up and go back. You know, that was probably a two, three hour deal. The next day, my my son must have been dehydrated because he had to go to, we got him to a doctor. The doctor sent us to a radiologist. Uh, the radiologist sent us to the emergency room because he was dehydrated and backed up with all this, this feces, yeah. basically, because he was dehydrated. And so we had to go to the ER where he got liquid and and got hydrated and then he pooped and you know life is better after a good poop <laughs> always and so that day was shot yep that was a that was a 10-hour day of doctor office wow. visits and the that thursday was my 10-year wedding anniversary and i thought i was going to be able to get out in the morning but my wife had other of course plans. <laughs> and uh uh and so my turkey season was two days roughly five and a half, six hours long, and that was it man
2: i mean that sounds i mean minus the whole doctor visits and and all that that sounds pretty yeah. similar to mine i <clears throat> I hunted gosh, it was it the last weekend in April maybe and yeah, the first morning out, I got set up where i had uh seen some <sighs> some gobblers last year and Heard them in the roost, you know, quite a ways off, but I could still hear them, you know, as soon as that kind of like 630 time, six, eh, probably six o'clock, they started lighting up and then you heard them fly down and they just never made it my direction. They probably went to another field because uh, I was in the timber at the time and <clears throat> never, never really cut the distance at all. So I was like getting pretty bored just sitting there. So I'm like, all right, I'm gonna move over to this area where I've seen them before. It's uh, you know, on a field edge. So I go over there, get my decoy set up, and I'm calling a little bit. And I sat there for maybe an hour. Didn't didn't hear anything. So I texted my brother-in-law who was across the property, sitting with my father-in-law, and uh, he, my father-in-law, was ready to be done. Um, So he, we 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 kind of pulled out, met back up at the truck, and as we're sitting there waiting for my mother-in-law to pick my father-in-law up so we could hunt the afternoon. Uh, I ran back over just, you know, just to check on that field that I was sitting in. And as I'm walking back to the truck, I hear gobbles just light up in the exact area where my brother-in-law was sitting, uh, that morning. So like run back there and he's dinking around. I said, Hey, we got gobbles and we have to, there's this huge field that we're parked right in front of. And it's in this back, the back corner of this field. Um, so we head back there or start to get back there. I'm belly crawling over some of these, like up up this little, I guess, small hill, you could call it, just to try to not be seen because we thought that they were down in that corner. Long story short, we got set up, called, they were on another piece of property that uh, uh, borders ours. We couldn't get them to come through the woods. So we looped all the way back around our property to um, another area that that same property uh, borders Got set up, and we had a bird come into like 50 yards, just gobbling its head off. But we couldn't get him to cross this tiny little broken down fence that separates the two properties. And he turned around and walked away and never seen hide nor hair of him again. And then the next day, we got back up in the morning, heard some gobbles from the roost, and that was it. Walked our entire property trying to strike something up. No dice, and that that was my season. Just never had A chance to get back up there and uh and get out again,
1: yeah, yeah. The best part about this whole spring though for me was I found mushrooms and I found two like total of two two and a half pounds of mushrooms this year. And so, to me, these days, a good you know, a good mushroom fry is just as good as shooting a turkey, man. I i, I love going out looking for mushrooms and I found them, so I, uh, that made me happy, yeah. This I might even
2: say that finding two to two and a half pounds of morels is better than turkey hunting because, you know, obviously, I mean, I'm assuming Iowa has a fall turkey season as well. And maybe it's just, you know, I enjoy kind of the pursuit of turkey hunting, you know, the fact that you can get mobile and it's kind of a chess game that, that you get to play in real time and not necessarily like whitetail where you're trying to piece everything together for, you know, one day or one hunt or something like that. But morels are once a year and you don't always find them every right. year. So when you do and you strike big, I mean, that's and those things are gold. I mean, those are man, for someone who doesn't eat a lot of mushrooms, I can just sit there and eat them right out of the pan after frying them up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh I'm I'm the kind of guy where if it's in front of me and it's delicious, I'll eat until I'm <laughs> comfortable. So I like your style. That's, that's what that's what I did. <laughs> so So it's been,
2: I was uh, looking back a little bit, and it's been over a year, I think, since we had you last on the podcast. So what's been going up, man? Give me an update on everything, starting with your hunting season last year.
1: Oh, man, hunting season last year. Uh, My hunting season last year was great, man. I'll tell you, kicked it off by going to, you know, minus the springtime events, kicked it off by going to Nebraska. Um, that was a little up and down, had a blast, got to see some new, uh, new terrain, got to, uh, um, hunt with a new guy, uh, who was awesome to hunt with. Uh, we, we met on, this is, this is almost like a Dateline episode, but we we met online, right? <laughs> he actually, he actually reached out to me and, and we just started chatting and I met him and he was, he was a cool dude. And, and so we went out to Nebraska together um got close a couple times on some muleys and some whitetails never sealed the deal and you know bounced around uh, Nebraska for a while didn't it didn't happen then let's see we went then that was in September and then in October I went to South Dakota uh, on a mule deer hunt everywhere that I was the previous year we ran into trucks and we ran into like little to no mule deer, and uh, the, all the mule deer seemed to be on like big pieces of private property and out where I hunt, you know, gaining access to the private is is really hard to do. And then we came across a piece of public that had uh, a good number of whitetails in it, and so the 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 trip kind of turned from mule deer focused to, hey man, we have a pile of whitetails right in our lap. Let's go chase him. So I went down into this, uh, this river bottom public. And, man, I, I ended up shooting a, he was young, but I'm going to say maybe a two-year-old. Uh, and I'm looking at him right now. He's, he's Euro mounted on my wall. Uh, Eight pointer. Uh, really, really cool. Really awesome experience, man. Uh, shot him at about 20, 22 yards. Um, he died in a river. So I had to swim into a river to pull him out. That was kind of cool, and uh, that was my first ever out of state.
2: Were you hunting from the ground,
1: right? Or excuse me, yeah, shot him out of a fence row. It was pretty. We built a a blind with tumbleweeds. (laughs) It was it was pretty cool. So we had uh, we built this blind. uh, These deer came out. I shot him, pulled him out of a river, uh, drug him back to the truck, and um, and it was it was really fun my first ever out of state kill. Uh, and I was jacked about that, right? He's, he's, you know, I, I hate the term. He's no giant, but it, to me, it, it meant nothing. Like the antlers meant nothing to me at that point. It was this awesome experience that I had. And, and uh, I'm, I look, I look at him. He's right across from me right now. I look at him every day and I absolutely just play the whole scenario back in, in my head. And so, Obviously, this is a very high level fast forwarded version of of my fall. uh Then we bounced because I had tagged out in like the second day of South Dakota. We dropped down to Nebraska again, tried to get it done. I got close one more time, never ended up drawing back on uh, a group of whitetails down there, played cat and mouse with some mule deer for a couple of days, and then ended up uh and then ended up heading back to Iowa and in November um I was chasing a couple really good deer here in Iowa, late October, early November. And, uh, I went down to the main farm that I, I have permission to hunt on. And long story short, I started checking trail cameras. I got a, uh, you know, with the, the information that I got from my trail cameras, it kind of showed me a pattern that this deer was kind of taking. I, made a play on where I thought he was kind of going to be that night. And sure enough, he ended up showing up and I shot him at 10 yards and he bounced twice died. And he was like 24. He's 24 inches inside wow. spread. So he's, or maybe just like an eighth shorter than that. I did that's all. That's the only uh, measurement I took. Cause he's like one of the, the widest deer I've ever shot. And so uh i i dropped him and and from that point on man season was kind of over uh, i wish i could have head, headed back to do something else but by that time i think uh the the proverbial bridges had been burnt <laughs> with sure. the wife and family so i had to go back to being a uh you know a dad and husband again and and you know start working again and i think that that's what i call that's my first ever two buck season and so I first ever out of state, so it was a whole bunch of first things that I accomplished this year and definitely a success and definitely a year that I, I'll always remember. Yeah,
2: <clears throat> the the out-of-state deer, that's something that, you know, obviously there's a lot of guys out there who are super successful with that year in and year out and just have an ability to, um, you know, show up someplace and, and get acclimated super quick, right? They, they can locate deer, yeah. um, you know, They're they're just really good at it. And, but you know, when, when you know you have a a very short uh, window of time, it's really, it's not about the size of the deer, right? It's about just proving or just, I mean, not maybe proving is not the right word, but just being able to, to locate some deer, to get yourself in a position to have a chance. And then when it does come together, I mean, like you said, the the size of the deer doesn't really matter. It's, it's the kind of the culmination of everything out of state, you know, limited um, amount of time. And then being able to put yourself in that position. And when, and when that does happen, I mean, that's that's almost uh, a cooler experience or a better experience yeah. than, you know, a deer that you've been tracking all year. While that's still fun, um, it's not nearly uh, as difficult given the time constraint.
1: Yeah. The cool thing about this whole uh, 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 South Dakota hunt where I shot this whitetail was we knew there were a whitetail down there, lots of sign, Uh, Even when we pulled into the property and started glassing, we we saw them all coming off of a a field and heading back into these thickets to bed. And so it was really cool sitting up on this little high high ground in this river bottom with a pair of binoculars and a spotting scope and, and then putting the pieces of the puzzle together saying, you know, like, all right, I'm gonna drop down here. I'm gonna go do this. Well, what's what about this option? And and just doing the calculations in your head, and then putting that calculation into action, and then walking away with a you know uh, a successful hunt. Man, that that jacks me up more than j- just about anything else. Man, just like playing the chess match, putting together the plan, executing the plan, successful plan. And then it's just, dude, look, look at what I'm staring at right now, you know? So uh, it, it was so much yeah, fun. Yeah,
2: to be able to use kind of the, uh, the Western style of hunting in a whitetail scenario uh, has got to be cool because, yeah. yeah, not a lot of people um, are really hunting whitetails in that particular way. Right, right, absolutely. So <clears throat> what do you got? Uh, well, no, let me, let me pause that question. Tell me about the network. How's everything uh, with the network going?
1: Yeah. Um, it's hard to explain because I'm still in some, in a way kind of shocked of how the growth has been over the past handful of years, right? So, you know, I I, I get to share some of the analytics with you because you're on the network uh, and some of the other guys. But like the the growth that we've seen, in the late last, well, really every year since we started, but mostly in this last, uh, what do I want to say from September or August of 21 to today has been, been absolutely mind blowing. And so it, from a, from a business owner standpoint, and I get to see the work that I do and the work that guys like you and other content providers to the network do, uh, it's just crazy to see this growth and see the success that we've had and to, to watch the sportsman's, uh, empire. It, you know, we've had a name change recently from sportsman's nation to uh, sportsman's empire and same logo and everything. Everything's the same, same ownership, same content, just had to do a, a slight name tweak, but, but to see the footprint that, the network has and you know like all the content like how big not not only this little family that we've created is but the the footprint that we have within the hunting space is is pretty damn awesome to be honest with you and so I get to see that and and see the impact that shows like this and shows like uh you know Missouri woods and waters other ground uh you know whitetail landscapes podcast all these all these content providers seeing success from the network is just an awesome feeling. So uh, not only, you know, from a, from a business standpoint, I get to see my growth uh, and the growth of the network, but then also get to see the growth of other individuals who are participating in this almost like experiment. It's, uh, it's awesome. And seeing their success, it's, it's man, it I love it. Yeah.
2: You know, I'll tell you what, we've had the opportunity to have a couple little, sportsman's empire powwows uh, over the last you know six months or so and i think it's a real testament to to the work that you've done if you just look at you know the the guys that are on the network and gals that are on the network the the work that they put in and it's just it's just a great group of people i mean obviously when you know we have our meetings and stuff like that it's you know 15 18 people kind of all chirping at once and everything so it gets a little uh you know hard to hear everyone but Everyone is is awesome. They're very dedicated to to what it is that they're they're talking about and what that they're what they're producing, and that uh, that due diligence because you know I, we've talked about this on the previous podcast. How many people approach you about wanting to be on the network? Oh, I've got a great idea for a podcast. You know, what do you think? But yeah. you have to be selective. You have to pick and choose who you feel is going to be uh, right for the network. Yeah. Is going to you know produce that content on a regular basis, and the fact that you've seen a, you know, we've seen this, this growth, uh, as a network, as an empire, uh, over the last, you know, six, eight months, uh, is super cool. And I think with that, you know, the more people, I mean, myself included, I, or I guess maybe I'll just speak from a personal standpoint that, you know, I, I'm putting these episodes out every week and you have access to the numbers, you know, all the time. And, if someone like me wants to be like, hey, Dan, you know, where are my downloads at or how this episode do, you know, it, it's more work on your end. So I usually try to just when you have time or when you're going to send out those numbers, I'll just wait for that. But to see yeah. where we're at, I mean, it just makes you want to to do better once you see that the growth is there. Yeah. And you know that all this work that you've been putting in for these episodes and, you know, social media and trying to promote things. Um, that it's actually working, it's just going to make all of us want to try that much harder. And it's just, it's been really cool to be a part of. I know that.
1: Yeah. And I think one of my my favorite things about the growth is being able to share the numbers uh, that we've done with guys like you and some of the (laughs) other content providers here. And then instead of saying, oh, that's awesome. It's one of those like, um, did you mean to type in this number yeah. like uh because that's pretty big right and, and so people are thinking that there's all these typos and even when when um I started seeing this these explosions of growth I would go back to the platform that I host all of these podcasts on and I I reached out to their I guess analytic department I was like hey man there seems to be an issue or there seems to be some errors with these numbers can you rerun the numbers and uh you know just let me know the accurate numbers and they're like well okay but these are accurate and then they come back and they're accurate and i'm like what like what's going on and, and so that you know I'm, I'm not the kind of guy who likes to celebrate any type of big you know like any victories because i know something could happen and it could all come crashing down which i hope it never does but um i try to be realistic with all in my approach, you know, to not only white, like things like whitetail hunting, but business and family and, and things like that. And so, uh, instead of just like doing a big celebration and and letting the world know that we're so good and we're so awesome, I just like to, you know, say, Hey, we're doing really well and we're going to continue to grow. We're going to be adding more content. We're going to be adding different varieties of media and uh, just get it to the point where, you know, the sportsman's empire becomes hopefully a household name.
2: Yeah. And I think what's really cool about it too is, you know, everyone on the, on the network, we're just a bunch of regular guys and gals regular who love yeah. what it is that we do or what it is that we're talking about. And right, I had a uh, Clint Campbell on the, the podcast just this week. And he was saying that he hosts the uh, Truth From The Stand podcast. And he was telling me that yep. one of the things that where he started to see a lot of his growth and where he really started to see his numbers jump was when he just started having on regular dudes that no one knows right and I feel like that's kind of yep we're kind of like the bad news bears uh, in a sense, right like no one's ever heard of us we're but we're consistent right. we're you know we're we're learning from you who's obviously been doing this a long time and we're seeing success and it's it's, it's super cool yeah. uh, again to be a part of.
1: Yep, absolutely. Love it. So do
2: you have or can you speak about anything new that may be coming to the uh, Sportsman's Empire?
1: Yeah, so th- there's the name change, right? And I won't get into details about why we decided to change the name, but uh, we do have a new website. So the Sportsman's Nation is still there, and you're helping me out with this process, but the thesportsman'snation.com. Is still there, and it's it it right now is basically just a holding tank for all of our old content, and we are in the process. All the new content is going on to Sportsman's Empire, but what we're doing and why we're keeping up the Sportsman's Nation is we're using that as a holding tank so we can copy all of that content or most of it onto the new, uh, to the new. Uh, platform, the new website. And so that's going to take a while. And once that's complete or once we feel like we're close enough to this, this, this data migration, then what's going to happen is we'll do a big celebration and we'll do a big kind of a welcome to sportsman's empire shout out and we'll get everybody who's on the network involved. And, uh, um, and then you'll hear a lot more from us at that point. But uh, that's, that's the, the transition piece. Of this new name change and it's it's a very small, I guess if you want to call it a rebrand, the, the logo is the same, the content is going to be the same. But we got more podcasts on the docket to be released this summer and so I'm really excited about that. I think there's going to be three, maybe four new podcasts that are going to be added within the next four to six months. Um, you know, I'm trying to get like right now I'm a one man show. Right, You're helping me with some of this data migration. Uh, I got another guy who as soon as he's done with a move, he's moving from from one state to another, he's going to be helping me out. And once I get all of this organized, then I can go into, I guess, back to like a CEO mode and start planning, organizing, getting more content out on my end and really – Expanding the brand into other avenues as well, so uh, that's what I'm looking, I guess, the most forward to in the next six months. Yeah.
2: Now, these new podcasts that are <clears throat> that are set to come out in the next four to six months or so, are they
1: going to be state specific or more species specific? Well, uh, we do have a. Uh, I think I think the time's up for turkeys, right? I mean, I, I'm. I think the reason I've put turkey hunting on the back burner so much is because I, I like it, but I'm not obsessed with it. What I didn't understand was how many people absolutely are obsessed with turkey hunting like I am with whitetails and other big game. So I have a uh, a guy working on a strictly turkey hunting podcast that's going to be launching here pretty soon. And so that'll be That'll be interesting to, to see. We're going to get a fishing podcast. I got a guy who he loves musky fishing, but he's going to do kind of a freshwater uh, fishing podcast where he's going to talk about his experiences chasing musky and, uh, you know, fishing for walleye and other panfish bass, you know, any freshwater fish. And then, um, (laughs) this one is going to be an experiment, but it's one that I'm going to launch It's going to be where I just talk to like regular people, but they're, they are all going to be hunters, but we're not going to talk about hunting. We're going to talk about other things, maybe what they do for a living or, uh, just, and I think the title of it, I think the title of it is going to be, I've already, I've already got the name saved and, and, uh, just in case I want to make it that, like I've already bought the name and things like that, but, uh. Uh, everything but bow hunting or everything but hunting or something like that. And so it's just going to be, uh, just like real, real dudes talking, uh, everything except hunting. And we'll just kind of see, see what it, what happens. With um, it.
2: <clears throat> I'm going to put in a request to be the first guest to talk about, uh, cleaning out your house in your garage,
0: <laughs> the, the, the dad and the guy version way
2: to, uh, go right. about, uh, spring cleaning your home. Cause I think we could talk for a few right. hours on that one.
1: Right. Right. And I think, you know, an episode like that is needed because we get force fed a ton of content and in the whitetail space in the hunting space, some of it's a little bit, I guess, when you do it over and over again, right? Because there's more than just one podcast about whitetails right? There's more than just one blog about whitetails. And so you start to see the same guests. You start to see some of the same content, the same, uh, approaches, and, and it gets a little bit stagnant at times. I'm not saying all of it's stagnant. I think we do a really good job here on the, the empire, but, uh, just like some free talk, you know what I mean? Like just something that's completely different. Come, that's going to keep, get people's attention. And, uh, you know, maybe a uh, a soapbox for people to bitch on, and I think I think there's times where we can vent, and uh, it could get get a few laughs, and I think that's uh, that's the goal anyway. So we'll see what happens. No, I think
2: it's a great idea uh, because yeah, oftentimes, like you said, when when we're listening to podcasts, it's probably something outdoor related, and yeah, you wanna you wanna hear you wanna hear some of the uh, gosh, what's I don't wanna say complaining. But you want to hear, the, want to hear yeah. the venting. Let's just call it that. Let's, yeah. let's be a little bit right. more uh, right. correct about it. You just want to vent a little bit. And to hear yeah. other guys do that, yeah, that's always fun. Because nine times out of ten, yeah. you're going to be like, oh, yeah, I can relate to that. Because it's just like when you and I, before we Absolutely. started recording, after about two minutes talking about the whole cleaning process, we're like, T- we're the same guy. Like, we deal with the same stuff <laughs> that, that, that each other does. So it's like, we're not the only ones. I can guarantee you that.
1: Exactly. And one of the, one of the episodes is going to be, I don't know why I'm thinking about this right now, which is weird, but first time, butt wipers <laughs> like my son, right? <laughs> he is, he's in the process of wanting to be independent and you know, mom and dad have to step in and, and help wipe his butt. And so he wants to do it by himself now. Okay, buddy, give it a shot. Well, I walked into the bathroom the other day and he is clearly not ready to be an independent butt wiper yet, right? Up his back on the toilet seat. Like, uh, he's not ready yet. Uh, I'll help him and guide him as a father. That's what I do. But uh, but he's not ready to go solo yet. <laughs> he's not ready to take the act on the road. No, not not yet, not yet. I I mean, I have
2: a lot of follow-ups to that, but we're just going to move on. <laughs>
1: exactly exactly
2: speaking of of new podcasts and new content stuff uh another one that you started last year was the how to hunt deer podcast tell me about that kind of how it kind of came around and and where you kind of see that going
1: yeah so essentially it kind of started out as an r3 project right or a hunter Recruitment retention type of content. It started off with the National Deer Association project. I flew down to North Carolina and Matt Ross and uh, my God, I forgot his name. He's gonna he's gonna be mad at me, but another awesome guy. I can't. It's embarrassing. I should know this. I know it. I know
2: it too, and And it's like it's escaping me because obviously I've listened to some of them. Um, Hank Forrester. Hank Forrester.
1: There we go. God dang. So me, Matt Ross, and Hank Forrester sat in a cabin in the middle of the woods in North Carolina and recorded 19 episodes in over a two and a half day period. And so we uh, we recorded all of this uh, all of this content very basic 101 level um, of for anybody that was new to hunting to come in and by learn by. By listening to this podcast, they would be able to learn about what they knew, what they need to know to get started to hunt, you know, like what kind of weapon do I choose? How do I sight in a weapon? Um, Where do deer live? You know, how, like, where do I go to hunt deer? Right. Where do, what do deer do? When should I go out and hunt them? Like just all that basic stuff that guys like me and you take for granted because we've been doing it so long. We don't really ever talk about it in a one-on-one level, and so that was the birth of of that. Those first like nineteen or so episodes was just this how-to, very basic, and so the basicness of it continued for you know another what I'm going to say six seven months, and I was the host on it, and I got other uh, really. I guess, experienced hunters to come and give their insight in a, a very basic level. I mean, just the title of the podcast alone, how to hunt deer. And, you know, we, some of us guys take some of that stuff for granted, but it's good to know and have little refresher classes every once in a while on, Oh man, I can't believe I, I didn't think of, think of that again. Right. And, and so recently I passed it off to Josh Rayley now he's the host of the podcast and he's putting his twist on it and recently we've been he's been talking about how to you know what how to choose the best bow for you how to choose the best accessories for you how to choose the best weapons um, you know just he's taken that same uh, preface and he's taking it further down the line and he's doing one hell of a job at it and uh he's the host he's also the host of the wisconsin sportsman uh podcast so uh he's killing it there too and and that that how to hunt deer podcast has gained a lot of traction because i i really do think that it's good and great information for anybody who's new anybody who's been away from hunting for a while and, and wants to come back or even just like i said refresher uh, refresher course for someone who uh uh, I know is, is a serious hunter and, and just needs a, a little refresher.
2: Yeah. Have you gotten a lot of feedback from that? Like where people are, are oh, yeah. emailing or, or dropping you a message on, on, um, social media saying, Hey, you know, <clears throat> you know what you've said and, and the things that you guys have talked about it have really helped me kind of take that next step or, or helped me actually feel more comfortable getting into, into deer hunting.
1: Yeah. So we've had it, we've had those as well. Um, Me personally, I can't speak for Josh uh, or anybody else who's been involved, but me personally, in the past, I want to say, since I guess we'll just say since we've launched the How to Hunt Deer podcast, a lot of the content for me are coming to me or reactions about that podcast have come from people who maybe hunted when they were kids and they stepped away for 20 years and now they're like, you know what? I think I want to try hunting again. And so a lot of that demographic has uh, expressed interest in this podcast. And so not only do we have the brand new guys, but we have the guys who I would call pseudo brand new, right? They, they, maybe they hunted a little bit in their youth. They stepped away like a lot of people do, right? They get involved in life, in sports, in school, college. uh, And then all of a sudden now they, they have some more free time, especially during these COVID type, uh, years now have some more time and they want to get outside and experience the nature and hunting is a great way to do that and so they're they're looking for content online and they find they find the how to hunt your podcast
2: yeah no that's a <clears throat> when I remember maybe you had told me about it before it came out or, or right when you guys had launched it. I saw it and I thought you know this is just a great idea because you know mentoring it's a, it's an indirect way to mentor people um, to try to give them that, right. that basic knowledge that you would if you were you know, sitting next to them in a blind or a tree stand or something like that. But for them to be able to kind of retain that information uh, at their own pace, at their own uh, level, instead of, you know, you meet someone for the first time, you have a few conversations. All right, we're going to go out hunting next week. You know, you meet at the truck or whatever, and then quick synopsis of, of what you're going to try to accomplish or, or what you think the, the morning or the evening is going to entail, and then you get right to it. Well with this you can obviously right. you know you can spend hours listening to things re-listening to things to to have a really better understanding and you know the more prepared that these new hunters are really any hunter for that for that matter uh the more prepared that they are the the better their chances are of being successful and and being comfortable uh in that situation. Absolutely. Absolutely. So <clears throat> sticking with the podcast I mean What's your favorite part about, I mean, you host obviously a few different ones. You, 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 you run the Sportsman's Empire. What is your favorite part about all this?
1: So, you know, when I was working in a cubicle, talking about hunting was second, right? And, and doing my hunting, like my, my passion is, is bow hunting, right? If I was to put a label on myself, I say this all the time, my label would be, I'm a bow hunter. Okay, so that's what I (laughs) that's what I identify as. And so uh, I'm a I'm a bow hunter. And but when I was in my cubicle job before, you know, I started the the network and and even while I had the network up and running for a while before I made this, you know, my full time gig, it became like hunting wasn't at the forefront of what I wanted to do. Uh, And so. So the best part about doing what I do is now I get to talk with people or listen to content through, you know, content providers sending me stuff. I get to read uh, what you guys are sending me, listen to what you guys are sending me. So every single day I'm surrounded by great stories, great people, um, great companies, just great. Every All the positive vibes that surround hunting and the hunting community. And so for me that's the best part, getting to talk with I guess just regular guys across the country about their their adventures and their experiences out in the woods and all the positive things that come from. Yeah,
2: I know you're a big uh good vibes out, good vibes in guy and I I, I love that because everywhere you look it's something negative, right? What you know I mean I'm not gonna get into other stuff, but yeah to to surround yourself with those types of people, um, it just it just puts you in a better mood all the way around. And if you're in that that good headspace all the time, it just makes life at home better, life with the empire in your case better. You know, you enjoy your time in the tree stand or you know out yeah. west. You know that much more when when you're just surrounded by that positivity,
1: right? So when I was this is the this is also uh, uh, part of the whole thing is that when I was in my cubicle, I was spending so much time working, right. And, and working for another company that I didn't care about Though I didn't care about the quality of work that I was doing. I was just at this job to get a paycheck. Right. And then I would come home at night and I was trying to build this, you know, You know, record the Nine Finger Chronicles episodes, record the Hunting Gear podcast episodes, uh, launch them, edit them, and and still balance the family with that. The best part about getting the opportunity to do this full time is the kids are at school, the kids are at daycare. I get to do this all day long, absolutely love it. But at the end of the day, I can switch 100% over to the family. And that has been by far the best for I'm not fighting against anything anymore, right? There are times where I may have to work a night or record an episode um, at six, seven o'clock at night, or, you know, someone gets me some content late. I got to rush to get it out. But for the most part, kids get off the bus. I turn into super, dad, go. right. Taking them to, taking them to uh, dance class or baseball practice or shooting hoops with them or, or just chilling with them and, and hanging with a wife. And I think, It's made every aspect of my life better. And so I can keep it separate, but at the same time, now when I'm I'm putting in the time and energy with the wife and kids, so now when it's time to go and go on a hunting trip, there's no question about it. There's no regret. There's no remorse uh, from the wife because I've already spent all this time with the family and things like that. So it's a a win-win Yeah.
2: No, that's a, that's a great, uh, a great situation, right. To be able to have kind of your cake and eat it too, and not have, um, anything kind of looming over your head, uh, when you're, when you're out hunting. Did you ever think it was going to get to this? I mean, when you started Nine Finger Chronicles, I mean, did you envision the network down the road? Nope. The Empire. Nope.
1: I didn't. I, I when I when I started podcasting, you know, like my first taste of podcasting was obviously the co-host of the Wired to Hunt podcast, right? And so me and Mark did all these episodes. Um, I broke out. I, I I was still the co-host, but I I brought out the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, and and uh, that gained some really good traction. So all of this happened, but at no point did I ever think it was going to get to the point where. I'm creating money for myself and creating money for others, right? So like you guys you get, you're you're getting revenue mm-hmm. off of this as well. So I didn't ever think it was going to get as big as it was. Um I had a vision of it doing something, but I it was that it was foggy. You know like the future was foggy. I really couldn't see what I was trying to accomplish. And then it just like one day became crystal clear and it became crystal clear when I got laid off from my job, they pulled me in with about 30 people in two different lo- like 30 people's in my location, 30 people in a different location and said, Hey, today's <laughs> your last day. And so it was a sink or swim moment for me. And so like I, I was talking to some other people, I think I had like $7 and 29 cents in my bank account at one point. And then the first check for the network came in the mail and that floated us by till the next check. And then all like the snowball started happening and I just, I, you know, I, everybody still worries about finance, especially today, but now it's not on the forefront of my mind every right. day. It's like, oh, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm established. And so um, that is the best feeling in the world, right? When something you've grown takes hold, you can support your family with it. It's supporting other people like you and the rest of the content providers. And now It's just this monster, right? And the only thing we got to do is feed it. And the more we feed it, the bigger it gets. And the bigger it gets, uh, it's better for everybody. And so um, one of the... And here's a little story, I guess, here. But the... the, My grandpa always used to say, like, one horse can pull a thousand... Let's just say one horse can pull a thousand pounds. But two horses can pull 3,000 pounds. So that's just... That, that math may not add up, but when you're talking to, when I when I built the network, that's what my vision. That's what it was like. If I bring in two podcasts, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna get their followers. They're gonna get my followers. The whole will be bigger. Well, let's bring in somebody else. You know, the more the more content we add from different. Sp- you know, different people in different areas, different scenarios. It's just, it creates this giant community. Everybody's feeding off of each other. Everybody's getting more, you know, I guess you want to call them listeners, followers uh, off it and the attention grows. And so that, that was when it started becoming a little bit more crystal clear. Yeah. That
2: compound interest that adds up in a hurry. Exactly. Exactly. So want to switch gears here one more time before we let you uh, get out of here. I mean, I usually try to keep my episodes between 45 minutes and an hour, but sometimes you get a guest on and you just, you find a groove, man, and you hate to, to mess it up yep. or to ruin it. But I know you got stuff to do. I got stuff to do. From a conservation side of things, obviously, Sportsman's Empire is a 2% uh, for conservation uh, business. Do you have any um, kind of conservation projects or any big things that, that you're working on there in Iowa or maybe, you know, at a bigger level?
1: so usually um from a conservation standpoint like the the last thing that i did was do that the how to hunt deer podcast actually right that was that was that was a concert a a retention R if you want to call it r3 project i did with uh the national deer association right so outside of that i'm still in the process of coming up with a game plan once i get this data migration uh done and up and running and then i can then i can take a step back and i can start opening up my mind to other conservation projects that we're doing but on a small scale um me and my kids we, so my family has a golf cart okay it's just a it's a, a junk golf cart and we just drive around town in it. okay so we take some we take some back roads every once in a while and there's beer cans and trash all over the place Every day there's more trash and more more beer cans. So what we've done is we've made it a point to on a semi-regular basis we'll be driving with a trash can and we pick up the beer bottles and we pick up the um, the trash And uh, in the last summer we go it, usually it's after the 4th of July because that's when the most trash gets dumped. All, everybody leaves their fireworks in, in these public land, parking spots. And so my family will go out, we'll pick up all this trash and clean up these parking spots. So on a small scale, we're pretty regular at that. But on a big scale, I'm still in the process of putting together a, a plan or attack of uh, some form of conservation effort that we're going to be working with uh, in in the future. And I think it's going to be like I love, I love the giant organizations. Like, let's just say Ducks Unlimited, Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, um, the uh, the the National Deer Association, whatever the case may be. Right? I love those organizations. They have a huge impact. But I think a lot of times people are hesitant to give their time and energy and and, and dollar to a large uh, a large. Uh, organization like that because they don't necessarily see the work firsthand happen in front of them on the properties or the, the, uh, the herd, let's just say the deer herd or, or whatever that they hunt and they get to see. So that's why for me, I want to focus some time and energy on, on a local level. And this is what I would highly recommend to anybody who has not done any type of conservation effort before or volunteer work or given a dollar amount is to go talk with someone at a county conservation board or talk with your local DNR and see what kind of projects that they're working on, on some of the properties that you have advantage of, or some of the state parks or whatever there's like, if you love birds, if you love bumblebees, there are projects that are being taken place every day to support the things, the conservation efforts that you can align yourself with. And if you can, if you can find that something that you're passionate about at a local level, I really do think you'll get more energized about it because you'll get to see the change firsthand. And uh, and when you see that, it's just it has a snowball effect, and you'll want to do it more.
2: Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. That that local work. Where you can walk, where you can yeah. walk away uh, with a tangible result. I mean, that's that's huge for right. people. Um, and a lot of times, yep. so let's say you're you're interested in turkey or game birds, or you know, like you mentioned, um, you know, pollinators or, or or just regular birds or something like that. If you're working on, let's say, habitat projects for one of those, there's a really high probability it's going to have a positive impact on you know, another species or another animal. And just because, you know, let's say just because you love deer hunting doesn't mean you can't get involved with pheasants forever, quail forever, something like that, because, you know, those habitats are are where deer like to live as well. So, I mean, you're helping everything out at the same time by doing some of this work. And I think that's something that maybe not everyone realizes when it comes to, you know, volunteering their time. It doesn't have to be um, a one for one uh, in terms of, you know, what it is that you're working on
1: absolutely absolutely
2: all right dan one more question before i let you get out of here and and go start cleaning that house what uh (laughs) what do you got in store for this season i mean we talked about last year with nebraska and south dakota uh obviously iowa but do you have any big out-of-state hunts planned this year you're going to come back to michigan hunt with me sometime
1: uh (laughs) (laughs) good pause i can't hear you what you're You're breaking up (laughs) no um you know, I just had a really good conversation with Clint Campbell on uh, on uh, uh, a topic like this, right? So we we were talking about what we're gonna do this fall, and right now, man, I, it sucks to say, but with the increasing cost of just about everything, I have a I had some some hunts that I I thought were gonna happen that may not happen now. Okay, right? Just the the cost associated with driving eight hours and driving back multiple times to multiple States just might not happen this year. Okay. Uh, I am going to South Dakota. That's a a hunt that I'll always go on. I already bought the tag for that. So I got that. And then I'm trying to think, uh, Iowa is always, you know, I live here, so I'm always going to hunt here, but I did have Nebraska. I did have Missouri and, uh, uh, Oklahoma, on the scale of places to go and hunt so will they happen i don't know uh will i go to all three probably not so i'll have to pick and choose my battles there of of what i'm what i really want to do missouri is real close and so that's uh that's an option uh i don't know it's it's a lot of it is still up in the air at this point but uh you know a lot of it depends on the the cost of everything yeah. too so we'll see yeah, and
2: luckily you're in an area there in Iowa where a lot of those surrounding states are are pretty accessible right i mean even though right you know it's with the i mean gas is here in michigan it's like 460 a gallon or something right now um yeah it's going to be pricey yeah, to drive 8 hours one way but you certainly have that flexibility or to be able to to pick and choose from a a handful of, of really good states around you that uh, have some first time experience in that's a fact. All right, Dan. Well, as always, I appreciate it, man. Um, yeah, we'll talk
1: soon. All right, man. I really appreciate you taking time out of your day and uh, talking with me. That's that, that's how I end my episodes. I'm sorry. <laughs> I should just say, I should just say, thanks for having me on, man. I yeah. appreciate how
2: it. How often do you get to say that? Yeah. You're normally on the other end and it's, uh, no, it's it sometimes it's always weird for me talking to other people who host a podcast because you know when you're wrapping things up or you know we'll get done recording and I'll just hit stop recording but I'm like, "Wait, wait, 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 wait. Don't hang up. I want to talk to you for a minute." <laughs> I mean, that happened. I right, I right. always forget to to front load people on that and tell them before we start recording. And then I'm hitting stop record and yelling into the microphone to try to get them to to hold on and not hang up or I got to call them back on my cell phone or something. So we'll just leave it at that. All right, well, there you go. That was episode 104 with Dan Johnson. Uh, I would like to thank the partners of the podcast, Stone Glacier and Go Hunt, as well as 2% for Conservation. And if you're interested in learning more about 2% for Conservation, you can visit their website, fishandwildlife.org. And there you can check out all the certified brands that have committed to conservation that you should support when you shop also encourage you guys to give 2% a follow on social media where it's going to be only positive conservation-driven content in your feed, so you'll certainly uh, enjoy the daily dose of that. So again, if you'd like to learn more about 2% for Conservation, you can look for them online on social media or at fishandwildlife.org. Thanks for joining me this week, everyone. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Uh, Stay tuned next week where we have some exciting announcements and a really cool guest uh, that's going to be joining us. So. Until then, stay safe, and remember that conservation starts with you.
0: At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar.